The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, Edmund Unplugged, Loot and XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, Commonplace Books, as well as your favorite comic book store and nearest library. You can find out more locations and more information at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 164 of the Okie Geek Podcast, brought to you by Okie Comics. I'm Michael Cross. Well, here at the Okie Geek Podcast, there are two things we really like, playing games, raising money for kids, and beer. Okay, actually, that's three things. But <laughs> now we can do all three on February 23rd at Twisted Spike Brewery in Oklahoma City, Automobile Alley. Here to give us all the details in Twisted Spike is Twisted Spike founder, Bruce Sanchez. Bruce Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. I tell you, I, I'm really excited. About it. First off, the 23rd, uh, you're, you're teaming up with Extra Life, and uh, what's going to be uh, what's going to be going on? Well, everything in the tap room for Extra Life will be going on tap room wide. Mm-hmm. So there'll be different areas of uh, games and um, other auction items, and everything that is going towards the, the the fundraising event is you know going to one of our one of our favorite. Yeah. Charities. We do a lot of charity work. Uh, we do uh, almost too often, to, you know, too many to tell. But <laughs> yeah, our favorite ones are, of course, this one. Or this was the second year that we've done it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we do a lot with the Lymphoma uh, Leukemia Society. We do a lot with the mental health. The last two years, we've done a, uh, the beneficiary of our uh, annual um, birthday party. Right. Is, yes. Has been with the, the Mental Health Association. Um, we've got. You know, with Midtown Spelling Beer, we mm-hmm. do as many things as we can to really stay connected to the community, especially downtown. Um, that's really important in our mission, and we just enjoy the heck out of it and enjoy spreading the good news of beer. That's exactly. Now, I first, before we, we go on any further, tell me a little bit about Twisted Spike. For anyone who's not doesn't know, is not familiar with Twisted Spike, tell me about your group. Sure. Your, your um, we opened Twisted Spike in December of 2016. So we're a little bit over two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I started homebrewing in 1991. Oh, wow. Um, back in the day, <laughs> before it was cool or before anything yeah, was... No one was real. doing it back then. No. Um, but in Oklahoma, back then, I'm you know kind of dating myself, but there was no good beer. Right. Oh, ever. Yeah. I know. Um, and uh, my career as an engineer with the FAA, um, I've been traveling all over the country for the last 25 years working. And I've seen the craft beer industry just explode everywhere else but Oklahoma. Right. And I always had access to great beer when I went out of town. And then when our good friends at the uh, – and our government decided that you can't take beer home on the airplane anymore. That's right, um, yes. I was cut off. <laughs> so I had to – you know, plan B was oh, I, I can do this at home. You brew your own. I brew my <laughs> own. And it was actually saving me money in the long run. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. So, so you brought some beers Yes. Here. Uh, and I, 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 you said you, first off, you tell me about the first one you had. You had the world famous, our, our dirty blonde, dirty blonde, um, is a blonde, a Belgian blonde mm-hmm. was one of the first styles that I ever homebrewed. Uh, I love, I fell in love with Belgian beer as a homebrewer mm-hmm. and, um, this particular dirty blonde, it's been the dirty blonde Sanchez at the, in my garage for the last 27 years. Um, when we went commercial, um, all of your branding and all of your labeling has to get approved by the Tax and Trade Bureau. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so when we submitted our Dirty Blonde Sanchez label to the Federales, they were like, mm, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Yes. So there's some, there's some, you know, maybe less than clean references and a lot of beer yes, labels. Yes, yes, But, and they said, yeah, no. That was San- too far? That, was, that went too far. <laughs> no Sanchez. Uh, no, wait a minute. Come on, people. And my, my argument was like, oh, my name is Bruce Sanchez. This is That's Sanchez right. beer. And they're like, mm, yeah, no. Yeah, you, you, actually, I was kind of surprised that they knew what that would mean. They, so, they like, apparently yeah. consult the Urban Dictionary often <laughs> in, their, in their label research. So we're going to give this thing a try, right? Oh, absolutely. Pop that open. And, right. uh, and of course, the, the blonde, I love, I love the, the, the Belgian blondes. I think they're fantastic. Right. Um, so, so this has been kind of a stable for you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This has been entered into the National Homebrew Competition for the you know, years and years. It made it to the final round 
um, twice finished final six regionally. I've gotten gold medals for this for years as a, as a young home brewer. So it's, it's a very near and dear to my heart. And here we are. Ah, love that sound. <laughs> that just means fresh goodness is coming our way. And I, I have to say, as I reach for this, I have to say, uh, you know, when I was, I used to wait tables uh, back in the early 90s and mid-90s. And for the longest time, I actually remember serving a beer to somebody. It was like a Newcastle or, or a Bass or something really good. And, and the guy drank a little bit of it. And he's like, oh, this, can you give me a real beer? How about a Budweiser? Okay. That's, uh, what, that's what Oklahoma will do to you yes. as a youngster and, and re, you know, destroy your taste buds for years. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that is so good. See, that is, and that, I've always loved the, a good blonde because it, it still tastes like, to me, it's still a lager, um, but, but it's got a good, it feels like beer. It has depth of flavor. Yeah. Um, not, I fell in love with a lot of Belgian styles. I, they're more yeast forward than mm -hmm. hot forward as like IPAs or right. pale ales or stouts. Um, the yeast that's indigenous to every country is a little bit different. So the yeast that's been isolated for in Belgium for literally hundreds of years mm -hmm. by a, you know, and perpetuated by the monks back in, you know, the early um, sure. you know, 1200s, 1300s, um, they were able to capture and replicate a lot of their beers over consistency and year after year after year that isolated the yeast, whether they knew it or not until Louis Pasteur came along, they yes. were using the same yeast over and over and over because it tasted good. Yes. No reason to not use it. Yeah. Well, and then one of my favorite beers uh, is, is uh, Pilsner Urkel, which is uh, out of Czechoslovakia. Same beer has not changed its recipe in 500 years. Why? Why change it if it's just that good? Exactly. After 500 years, and that's that's what I like. A, a good a good blonde reminds me of a good, just a strong lager uh, that that doesn't that that doesn't overpower too much. But it's just you feel like you're drinking a decent beer, unlike American water, American beer, which is a little bit too watery. Well, after prohibition, you know everybody's taste changed quite a bit. Yeah, you know, it was very soda poppy and very carbonated. So the 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 beer makers of the day you know, catered that, um, the consistency of that towards that. And it just was a lot cheaper and they were making more money anyway. So why change that? So it was working for them. Yeah. When Twisted Spike opened, you guys were the biggest, uh, tap room in, in Oklahoma, right? Exactly. It's like, we were actually the first designed in tap room at a brewery. I'm the fifth, I was the, I'm the 15th licensed Oklahoma brewer. Wow. If, to put that in perspective, the city of Denver has 40. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think we're down to 22, 23 now, um, almost doubling in, in two oh, years. Oh, sure. So, when we designed the brewery, I, I brought in all of my favorite taproom themes from all over the country that I've seen, and I stole all of my favorite ideas and brought them yeah. here, and to give everybody that, specifically downtown, we wanted to be downtown. Um and there was nothing in downtown. We were yeah. the first downtown um, brewery, and I wanted to bring that kind of vibe. And we have, you know, such a great influx of people coming downtown, and people need stuff to do. Yeah. And nothing is more fun on a weekend than hanging out at a brewery. Sure. And then now we've got other locals and other local breweries that are right there with us. We've got the Prairies and the Vanessa Houses and the Elk Valleys and the Angry Scotsman and um, all the all really, really, really good local beer. Yeah. So you can jump on a scooter, you can jump on the on the streetcar, you can go and make a day of it. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. How, how have the new laws helped out a lot? Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. the only reason why we decided to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would have been very happy being a home brewer and making a lot sure. of great beer. I would have semi-annual um, inventory reduction parties because yeah. I couldn't possibly drink my all little the brother beer does the same thing. Their beers like you guys got to come over and help me drink right. this stuff. So the, we saw the changing um, climate in the legislature. Yeah. We saw a lot of you know people really getting tired of not having what everybody else has in Oklahoma. It's always you know Oklahoma City has always been the the little brother uh, has small man syndrome. So we wanted to uh, really dive in and. I was in a place in my career where I'm eligible to retire from my FA position in a year. Um, my kids were all grown up, and it, the timing was such that it was perfect if I was ever going to do it. My wife and I just like, all right, if we're ever going to do this, I mean, all my best friends are in the business. I mean, yeah. best friends are on Coop, best friends are at um, 
you know, Rough Tail and all of, I mean, all these guys are my friends. Yeah, it's a uh, small, it's, I'm sure it's a small community that, that you know, you guys, you guys got to be friends because you can't, you can't try to compete each, with each other yet. Well, it's, everybody, it's, but the nicest thing about it is everybody has their own take on yeah. stuff. Every, I mean, there's a lot of art that goes on in a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff. Um, it's not all cookie cutter. You know, it's, it's what you're feeling. It's what your tastes are personally that drive, well, I hope, I know I like this. Everybody that comes over to your house that you're giving a free beer to say, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. They gotta be willing to pay for it. Yes. That, that changes the game a yeah. little bit. Are, do you guys sell to like the, the 7-Elevens and the, the where, where can people get your beer with, outside of your, your own store? With all of the legislation that passed and that went into effect on October 1st, mm -hmm. um, pretty much Anybody that submits their application to sell alcohol to the ABLE Commission can do it. Right. We've got data back from our uh, distributor, um, Republic National, that we have seen um, our beer go to mom and pop gas stations in Wheatland, Oklahoma. Yeah. So basically anywhere, uh, the access is what's given a lot of people um, uh, the ability to go and seek out certain things. Yeah. Um, whether it's at a Conoco or... The Homeland has put a ridiculous amount of effort in their Oklahoma craft beer sections. We've That's got wonderful. a we've got a a large placement at most Homelands now. Mm -hmm. um, so, and we can't underestimate how much the changes have meant to the local liquor stores as well. Um, that they can sell cold beer now. Yes, yeah. and that ability yeah. um, gives them the opportunity. To specialize as well you're not going to find everything at yeah you know, walmart or right. the homeland but and then but a lot of the niche type really 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 good stuff is really really hard to find because it's really really good yeah but more often than not that's going to be at a liquor store yes. and it's going to be cold and the liquor stores are owned locally uh i have i have yet to buy any alcohol uh from uh from from walmart um, and I wasn't really going to do it with 7-Eleven either, but then when I walk in and I'm seeing Coop and Anthem and other beers being sold, I'm like, okay, I can support that. I haven't seen, I, I, of course, I haven't really looked. I, I didn't want to go to Walmart. I always wanted to go to my local liquor store. If I haven't really looked. I've always kind of passed by the Walmart. If I'm going to Walmart, I'm going to get some bread or some eggs or whatever. You know, not, I'm, if I'm going to buy beer I'm going or, or wine or whatever, I'm going to go to my liquor store. Because those, that's the people that are in my community and I mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. very well. And they've spent a lot of um, time and they have a lot of investment as well with their, a lot of ones that have invested in the coolers. They know about the market. They've been selling a lot of craft beer mm -hmm. for years because they were, they, they were really they're the local only. And they know the people. They were the only outlet because yeah. it was High Point Beer. Mm -hmm. um, so they have a phenomenal understanding of the product. Now the product can be cold. It'll have a longer shelf life. Um, so it's, it's a win-win for them as well. Yeah, I remember asking sometime in the early 90s, why, why don't liquor stores have them cold? And somebody said, well, the, because then the alcoholics would come in and, and drink it. Like, you know, an alcoholic's not going to care whether the beer's cold or not. All yeah. you're doing is affecting me, the person who would like to go and have it right now. Yeah, the Able Commission um, philosophy um, has is, is obviously been determined to be dated and needed change and that's what we all voted on yeah. and it's all good and it didn't help that uh, it was put in our constitution we were one of the few states that actually had prohibition in our constitution right. so what the beauty of the the laws that changed uh, in october 1st which we voted on more than a year earlier uh, or almost a, few, a year earlier um was that it took it out of the constitution now there's a lot of laws that are they're working on right now in the legislative session coming up uh, because it's now in the hands of the lawmakers. Instead of it just being in the Constitution where no one could change it, that yanked it out where it shouldn't, didn't belong in the first place. And now um, we, can, we can regulate it the way it's supposed to be. You go this, and, and also regulate it to what is going on currently in modern society. Exactly. The whole position of laws are, most laws are structured to tell you what you can't do. Right. In Oklahoma, under the AMA Commission, Everything was illegal unless they explicitly told you you could do it. Right. So that was a 180 on how we as Americans and Oklahomans <laughs> like to perceive our lives. Yeah. So I like to tell people that uh, we actually repealed prohibition. Yes, we did. And first, we really, even though they say it was like 1956, now all we did in 1956, you're right, was allow it to be sold, but it was still on the books. 
we had just kind of set a little loophole. And then in 1986, creating the liquor by the drink, uh, which, which had to be voted on three times to pass. And, and only in counties. And, all, and then I think finally with the, with the, with the passage in 2016 uh, was the... 393. Was almost, I think all of the, uh, all of the counties had finally gone wet. Uh, I'm like, well, okay, yeah, it only took you almost 100 years. Except on Sunday. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but but from, from basically from, from 1919, you know, till, you know, and, and of course 1907. So more than 100 years, it's just been, been about time. What do we got next? We have our crew, which is a... Kolsch. A so Kolsch? It's, it's, I don't even think know what that is. It's a German light lager. Okay, good. Um, a, there are several different kinds of Kolschly yeasts. And um, the particular one that I like to use uh, ferments very well at 50 degrees. Okay. So it is technically um, used as a lager in this instance. You, this particular hybrid Kolsch yeast can be fermented at a much higher fermentation temperature mm. but it would impart a lot different flavor profile it'd be a lot fruitier it'll be a, it would be a lot more floral but slowing down this yeast chills it out while it's consuming its sugars it's and sweeter it's, it has a nice it has a nice little sweetness it's got a nice uh, very well balanced just nice crisp a mm -hmm. little bit hoppy um not too floral not too fruity but just a Great lawnmower beer, and this this is yeah this is uh, this is refreshing. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times in, in the summertime, uh, the beer can be a little heavy, but right. this is a nice one. This is a really fresh. Yeah. Uh, this is what I I think, what most people think of when they think of like an American lager, um, a kind of more of a Sam's uh, something that's that's that's. And I'm not going to go into the, the mass-produced, you know, <laughs> Bud and Coors, but the, right. but a good American lager. That's really what this kind of reminds me of. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it is it is a German light lager, and what, regardless of who is making a German light lager, whether it's made by me, whether it's made by St. Bernardus mm -hmm. in, in 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 Texas, or anywhere else in the country, we're we're all you know shooting for the same specs. Yes, clean, crisp, light, refreshing, very pretty. And a great, great beer. Now, why Twisted Spike? Where did you come up with that? Well, when we were um, formulating our business plan, uh, we lo we found the property that we're in first. Mm -hmm. um, my home brew. It's on 10th. It's on an automobile alley on 10th and just a little bit east of Broadway, yeah, right did, near the railroad tracks. I did not know that all of the east-west addressing starts at the railroad tracks. Yes, isn't that weird? I so know. I thought it was always Broadway. I did too, until I saw your address. like... <laughs> Really? We one? are on 1 Northwest 10th Street. So we found the location. It was a, a warehouse that was built in 1927. And we walked into it, and I just fell in love with the interior. Part, the parts that were exposed, I'm like, wow, this, has, this is the, the downtown rustic um, feel that we wanted. My um, envisioned a very wide open space. Um, all the exposed beams and the rafters. So we found that location, loved the location. It was in Automobile Alley. We're on the railroad tracks. Something transportation, yes. something car, train, what, you know, whatever. And it took, you know, the, my home brewery was called Red Plains Brewing. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, first name that we were playing with, with for this brewery was Rose Rock. We try to keep it Oklahoma, right. keep it local. And... That was kind of girly, kind of not very edgy. And I, even if my, my wife is the, the very much president of marketing and sales. So she was like, that's not edgy enough. That's not going to bring in people. So, you know, after months and months and months of looking at images on, on Google, there was a, a bottle opener that I saw. I mean, there was blacksmiths use railroad spikes to make a lot of cool stuff, a lot yeah. of cool knives, a lot of cool... Um, bottle openers and this one particular bottle opener was forged and had a twist in it and i just you know kind of off to myself said oh well that's pretty cool twisted spike twisted spike Ding. <laughs> yeah it was the aha moment and i kid you not it was the call to my wife donna and 15 minutes on um google get grabbing every twisted spike brewery twisted spike brewing twisted spike this twisted like that domain that i could think of yeah and nailed it down yeah because their what twisted spike.com was taken oh really but it was scheduled to expire whoever got it 
it was scheduled to expire. So I put my name on the, the wait list. Is that how you do it? It's like, so, so I, if, once this expires, if, if they haven't up, done, done their dues, right. I want it. If they, don't up, if they don't pay for it annually, they lose it. That's awesome. And I just was crossing my fingers. And they said, please expire, please expire, please expire. And it did. And you know, we were on the waiting list. So as soon as it went off, we got it. Twistedspike.com. How has your wife been pretty much supportive of you the entire way? I, I couldn't. We are partners and life partners That's and awesome. everything. And I couldn't do anything without her. So. Yeah, I saw that you and Donna were, were, were co-founders uh, of this. And, and just, again, it, uh, bringing new life into uh, an industry that, if you go almost anywhere in this country, you can see everywhere. I lived in a while in Denver in the early 90s, and it was just starting to take off again in Seattle. So it's been about 10, 15 years in other parts of the, the, the country. But in Oklahoma, it's brand new. So it must have been exciting to, to start something new here in the city. Right. And as long as we've been having parties at our house and sharing the beer, and it's just, it's just a good time. We wanted to, you know, I, nothing puts a, a bigger smile on my face than having somebody have a beer that is non-macroed beer that is right. something that they've never tried before, um, expanding their palate and, and experiencing beer. We haven't been able to experience beer. Right. So if, you know, I believe that everybody's on their own personal beer journey. Sure. And if I can help them discover things, um, try new things and, you know, get further along, uh, that's that makes me the happiest and i understand that now the new laws allow you to have tastings as, as well there oh yeah correctly. it was illegal for Ooh. um until august of 2016 to do free samples at your own brewery <laughs> I know. not only could you not have a tap room but you couldn't even give them anybody a sample that wanted to come walk through right and the, that's the whole craft beer Thing. Yeah. To get you closer to the beer, get you closer to the product, get you as close as you possibly can. And then, oh, by the way, you can't have any. Right. No one's going to buy anything unless they get a chance to taste it and sample it because we're talking about beer. Beer, just like any other kind of drink, you've got to be able to enjoy it. You're not going to buy a six pack of it if it's not something that you really care to, to have. And that's, I, I think that's the, the beauty. That's why we have wine tasting. That's why we have those things. You have to be, you know, to give you the opportunity to see what you like. That's fantastic. And a lot of people like a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, in o I mean, Oklahoma for me is the land of fruity beers now. Yes. Because fruitier beers are less aggressive and more um, palatable as a transition into a, you know, nobody's going to go from loving a macro beer to loving a double IPA. <laughs> no, Not yes. going to happen. Yeah, except for those of us who've loved Guinness and stuff. We, we go, that's beer. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got this event going on on the 23rd. Super excited. Um, it, it, it's for Extra Life, and you're going to be playing, is it going to be video games, and what, what else gonna, what all uh, can people the, expect? We've that? allowed anything. You know, yeah. there's a large group of gamers. There's a large group of people that are, there are chess players. Um, we have not limited any type of gaming to go on, uh, you know, as far as, as, as no, no casino gaming, right, yes. but, <laughs> but pretty much whatever somebody wants to do. That's great. Um, they, people have pledged either their time or have gotten pledges for time to play and whatever they want to play, knock yourself out. That's great. Um, we're, we're raising money for a great cause and, that's all we're worried about. Yeah, and it goes money to the Children's Miracle Network, which we're always th always thrilled about. But it's also um, it's also about uh, coming together and showing a community that that you can have a place to drink some beer, have some games, and have some fun, yeah, raising money for a good cause, but also creating a community, which is very important in Oklahoma City. And this year, since it's the first one that was after October first, and nothing has warmed my heart more than to see families in the brewery. Yes. Um, we had a three-year-old little girl's birthday party in the, in the tap room. Um, walking through and seeing mom and dad and the kids interacting with their other friends and their friends' kids, it's, it's community building. Yes, it is. And we couldn't do that. We had to, you know, not only did we have to kick people out at 9 o'clock a year ago, but we also would not allow for that community to be built. Yeah. And downtowns cities 
families. I mean, if you don't have a solid community, then then you're going to move somewhere else. Yeah, which is really weird because Oklahoma City's always been about families and about community. And and alcohol was always that dark little secret. And if you keep it that way, if you make it that dark little secret, then people are going to keep it into a dark little secret and they're not going to share it and make it as open and, and, and as good as possible. What do we got next? We have our Twisted Stash, oh. which is a milk stout. And I call, there's several beers that I that I have done over the last couple of years that I call gateway beers. Mm-hmm. So this <laughs> uh, beers. milk stout, a milk stout is a very good gateway stout. Um, milk stout if, as a style is, they call it a milk stout because there's actually um, lactose sugar in it. Okay, that's why it's milk. Okay. And yeast are lactose intolerant. Oh. So they don't ferment the milk sugar. So the milk sugar that you put in there stays in the beer. So not only do you get the roastiness of the, and the chocolatiness of a stout, you also will get a back-end lac, you know, lactose sweetness to it just on the back. So it's all about playing with that rolling flavors of coffee and chocolate and sweetness. Oh, okay. And typically the style calls for a five and a half to six and a half percent alcohol level right mine is 4.8 okay um i developed the recipe for this back when um, we could do three two beers after nine o'clock i got tired of kicking people out of the brewery at nine o'clock or eight you know last call at 8 45 on a summer afternoon summer summer evening ridiculous (laughs) yes exactly so i developed a few um low alcohol options and this was one of them that was early on so i bumped it up a little bit um but we have a very approachable stout, which people will uh, be a little bit more hesitant to try to begin with. But I always tell them, well, just smell it, close your eyes. You'll never think it's as dark as it is. Now, I've never tried a milk stout before, so or at least I don't think so anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, you don't think of it as dark. It's very that light. Not, that very light. I would not think of that as dark because uh, I'm used to some dark beers. Mm-hmm. But that that goes down really smooth. Very, I mean, we we do a lot of things as brewers to fool your tongue, mm-hmm. whether it's a little bit higher carbonation. Um, mash temperatures is something that when you're actually brewing the beer, you can brew it at different temperatures and have a lot more residual sugars, that which gives you the mouthfeel that hey this is a little bit thicker a little bit this a little bit that not so not quite as low in alcohol as it really is so we have some fun with this and i guess it's i'm I, it, when i'm breathing out and i guess that's basically what the aftertaste is it, you get a bit a little bit of a, a coffee feel mm-hmm. um like you've just had a, a a really good americano uh that it's just it, it just a little bit of roast yeah that you could feel it it's like okay that and without again overpowering just a nice little flavor to it and a little residual sweetness too that's fantastic. Hey, you guys are doing the, um, uh, or doing, you're, you're taking part in the spelling beer. Yes, Midtown. What is, what is that all about? Well, the Sp- Midtown spelling beer has been going on for years. The Midtown Rotary Club raises money for local schools. So this is their big fundraiser, the annual fundraiser. It's at the Tower Theater mm-hmm. here coming up. I, I, the actual date escapes me. This is the 22nd. Okay. It's the, this is right. the day before this, yes. Right. So um, we've participated in that the last couple of years. It's another great event. It's another thing that is sponsored by a downtown group mm-hmm. for downtown schools. And we're more than happy to donate our product and watch people stumble and bumble as they spell okay. long words Wonderful. under the influence. Wonderful. And, and, and a, lot of, a lot of different beers are taken. Again, this shows that kind of partnership, that we're a community here. It's not about competing with somebody else, which I think most people are used to in the business world. You're supposed to be cutthroat. You're supposed to be... Oh, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, the, the <laughs> my, my, you know, who, who do you compete against harder than your friends? Right. So all of us are doing our own thing. All of us are looking sure. at for a little elbow here, a little elbow there. But, but you're doing it through the taste of your beer. You're not doing it to try and undercut them and make them and be the, the evil corporate type thing. Right. Right. Which, which is important. I mean, you still want to, ha- but you do it through by just being simply better in your taste, in the way you 
craft your beer. It's like, well, I, I know they, because everyone, I think the, the, when you brought up the dirty blonde, the blonde, okay, that's, that's not abnormal. Everyone does it. So how can you make yours better, taste differently? Because that's, you try to get that customer going. Yeah. That one's the one I think of when I think of a dirty blonde. Right. You know, differentiation, uh, there's several different, when you go into business, this is no, uh, you know, no kidding. This is a business. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So you've got, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be the low cost provider as a small local brewery. You can't. And you can't. Um, and what you're going to have to do is differentiate on something. Mm-hmm. So you differentiate on quality, you differentiate on um, how you present, you know, our, I can't think of a better place to be introduced to the beers that we make than in the tap room where our guys behind the bar are phenomenal. They know the beer. They've um, been with us for a long time. They're family members. So to get that kind of closeness and comfort with the product and in a great environment, it, it just makes so, everything so much easier and so much more relaxed and more fun. Yeah, I think a business professor once said, you know, in, in business, you get speed, service, or quality, and you can only pick two of those. Exactly. And unfortunately, that's what happens with your mass-produced beers a lot of times is you are reducing the, the service and the quality for that speed. And and what I love about the microbrews here in Oklahoma is is quality is is very important, but service also. It's also about going to a place and knowing that, you know, it's going where everyone knows your name. It's that kind of, you're a family here and right. you've come to try their beer. And then hopefully when you go out and you see it at the Ma and Pa convenience store, you go, that's Twisted Spike. I've had it. It's fantastic. I'll buy that, you know, with on the shelf. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, okay. so you, uh, okay, what do we got there? We have our IPA. Mm. So what does IPA stand for? India Pale Ale. Really? So I wouldn't think of it that simple. Back in the day, um, when the British were colonizing, they would, you know, the only way to get to India was by boat. Right. And the what those sailors liked more than beer, but the by the time they got to India, the beer was stale. So one of the inherent um, functions of hops are stability and shelf life. Mm-hmm. Um, they're antibacterial and antimicrobial. So they found that if they added a lot more hops to, to a pale ale, then it would make it on the journey. Ah, oh, okay. So they added more hops and it lasted and, you know, it, it, they developed a brand new style of beer by doing that. India Pale Ale, and India it's a, a good, good golden ale. color. Right. And there's a, like in any category This is of different beer, than what I've tasted for most IPAs. It's very, it's very middle of the road. Yeah. It's a very middle of the road West Coast IPA. You measure the bitterness in IPAs by interness, international bitterness units. Yes. Is that, uh, those, that's IBUs. the hops? Right. Yeah. And the hops um, impart, the longer you cook them, the longer, the more bitterness you get out of, and the less uh, aromatics you'll get out of it. So typically we boil hops for an hour to get the bitterness. And then at, later on in the, uh, we'll boil beer for an hour. Later on in the boil or at the end of the boil, or even in a whirlpool where we're cooling stuff, you're adding hops. Right. The earlier you add them, the more bitterness you're going to get out of them. The later you add them, the more floral aromatics and flavor you're going to get out of it. Because none of it escapes in the steam. Right. And so um, West Coast IPAs are developed over the years as uh, typically hops that were grown in Oregon and Washington. Mm-hmm. West Coast. A lot, of, a lot of Cascade hops, a lot of Centennial hops, a lot of, um, of those kind of West Coast. And so you're looking, you develop a, a very piney, citrusy overtone and aromatic, as well as some of the back end um, bitterness to it. So you can have any level of, the more hops you put in, the more of everything you're going to get. So since, you know, one of the reasons why I I call this a middle-of-the-road IPA is it it, as far as IPAs go, it's not very super-duper hoppy. Very middle-of-the-road, 
because there'll be a range that you can actually, you know, which should call something an IPA. Oh, right. Okay. Until it have until you put so much IP, so much hops in it, it turns into a double IPA. Mm. So and so, I'm sure so little that you're no longer an IPA. You know, you right. fall into something else. It, yeah. it goes into a pale ale. Right. So the scale goes pale ale, IPA, double IPA. The more hops you try to jam in the beer until you you reach a point where you're not going to get any more utilization out of that. How much experimentation did you do to get this kind of flavor? Oh, about 27 years of uh, home brewing. <laughs> that's what, and it's always the same. Now that's, I mean. So you you set it at a certain level. So and so and you want to make sure that every time someone opens up a twisted spike IPA that it always tastes the exact same and different from maybe like a coupe IPA or a, a, an anthem IPA. How do you how do you make sure that happens? Um, you have a, a color palette of ingredients. Okay. You have different malts. You have different yeasts. You have different hops. Um, water is water. You can adjust your water. Oh, um, really? Back and forth. If you if you make your water a little harder, some hops will pop a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so you have some water chemistry to play with. You've got a, a a cornucopia of different kind of hops to play with. Some caramel malts, some regular malts, and then you've got a variety of of yeasts right. that you can use. If you want to have a little bit more of a yeast characteristic, or if you want to have a little bit more of a malt characteristic, or if you want to have, you know, a juicier or a floral or a dankness to your hop. You use different. You use a combination of different hops to to get what you want. And when you put it in, also matters how 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 often you put it in. Where you know, I right. got so much chemistry. Lots of chemistry. It's just Lots amazing. of chemistry. Yeah, we can get into a humulone discussion if you'd like, and uh, get down into ultra nerdiness. Obviously, there you go. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's all about. It's all about in mathematics and and science. Uh, to create an incredible taste because you've got to make it unique and special to your brand. Right. Um, I, more often than not, I mean, in the tap room, you know, somebody will be trying an IPA for their very first time. Yeah. Um, and I would hear more often than not, well, I don't really like IPAs. I like your IPA. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not that aggressive. Yeah. Um, it has a, it has balance. Mm -hmm. Um as a home brewer and competing in home brewing competitions, um, there are certain parameters that you're supposed to hit. If you don't hit those numbers, you're not going to get good scores. You're not going to get medals. You're not going to do whatever. Yeah. So over the last 26 years, I've become kind of a style Nazi. Yeah. And I want my pale ale. If somebody drinks my pale ale, when I go out to other breweries all over the country, you know, if they've got a pale ale, I'm going to drink their pale ale and judge them. Yes. <laughs> if you, you can't make a good, yeah. yeah. How can you make something ubiquitous? flawless yeah and if you make something ubiquitous flawless props i'm gonna go and try every beer you have yeah and like i said i've, I've tried several life you said when somebody comes in maybe they've never tried an ipa and maybe they'll try yours but even more important i think is also those people i've tried several ipas and i've never had one that tasted like yours it's it's making yours unique and different to where i go whoa that's not the ipa i'm used to and it's wonderful um i like complexity um I like being able to smell stuff. I like being able to have an initial flavor, and I like having a back end flavor. Mm -hmm. The back end, you know, different parts of your tongue um, will have different, will perceive different things. If you can hit all four parts of your tongue, win. Yeah, and it gives it, it brings a, an experience to the beer. If you can have an experience, if you can have a aromatic experience and a flavor experience, and it's all the better. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got to be something, and it's got to be something unique that everyone can can enjoy. What other things do you guys uh, do over? First off, tell me just like what a normal, let's say a weekend, because I don't want to go to normal weekday, but just a weekend weekend. What are you guys doing over the weekends? Well, we are the we have weekday events. Um, we have what we've started to call a one-off Wednesday where we'll take one of our beers and do something crazy with it. Uh -huh. um, we've ha And I also have a, an infusing device that I've got a patent pending on that it's it's a Randall where we infuse different flavors in the beer at, as an ongoing thing. So if we wanted to put more coffee flavor in our stout, we would run our start, our our stout through the, through the infusionator and it would run by coffee beans and run out to the tap. And now you've got, I mean, we've made coffee IPAs. 
Oh, we've yeah. made coffee blondes. We've, you know, we've done, we do all kinds of fun experimentation with that. Um, does that add caffeine to it as well? Yes, it does. Okay. Um, Which is good because alcohol is kind of a depressant. So adding the caffeine. Yeah. 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 Unless you're my son and at the end of the shift has an, it has 16 ounces of this dark stout beer with coffee that's been sitting in it for a couple hours and decide that you're going to drink one and then you're up to three o'clock in the morning. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> Oops. You, you got to be careful about that. <laughs> Especially because when people are going out the evenings, the last thing they want to be is up all night. They got to work the next day. Exactly. Um, we have bingo night, Thursday night's mm-hmm. bingo night. Um, we, it's super fun and you can't cheat. <laughs> you can't cheat. Yeah. Um, and then Fridays, Saturdays are great times to unwind at the end of the weekend. Saturdays are, uh, we get more, uh, lots of bus tours are, oh, that's are, are, are starting to where they'll go to several different breweries, bike tours, um, ride OKC. Can you do the, can you, has, have you, I know the, the new, what is it, uh, the, the, the streetcar, street right. is it, is it able to go to different I know it comes very close to you guys. Yes. Um, does it go to other? I, I haven't even looked at the the streetcar routes right. recently. Right. The, the, when the streetcar comes up Broadway, mm-hmm. you have a, a one block walk to Vanessa House. You have a one block walk to Prairie. When it comes up to Ninth um, and Eleventh Street stops, you have a one walk block to Twisted Spike. Twisted Spike. Yeah. When it goes down Eleventh um, Street and goes by all the way over to St. Anthony's, you have a one block walk to uh, Elk Valley. And then it comes back south, and you've got a as it's coming down Sheridan, you've got maybe a two or three walk, block walk to Angry Scotsman and, oh. and Stone Cloud. So it's making uh, those types of fun afternoons yeah. very available to folks. Well, so you could actually do a, a, a tour on the streetcar, and sure. it's wonderful. It reminds me when I, I did only go to New Orleans once, uh, but you know you could go from from one place to the next, and it was wonderful. And I think that's what I love about this about the streetcar. Is you can go from place to place and not have to worry about driving. Yep, yep. What do we got this? What's this? We are going to Flavor Town. Okay. <laughs> so we seasonally we change a lot of stuff up. Um, our one of our our seasonal favorites is our two bean or not two bean. <laughs> it is a vanilla coffee porter. Wow. So very Hamlet like. Yes, We've got our yes. crown of. Uh, vanilla beans on our skull, which is resting on a pile of coffee beans. Alas, poor Yorick. Yes. Um, so wow, that's dark. It's a porter. Um, porters typically are less roasty than a stout, um, but then we put coffee in it and make but it roasty is, anyway. Is, it much, is there is there any milk in that as well? No, 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 no lactose sugar in there. It is um, vanilla. That, a, but that's what I'm smelling. I'm smelling the vanilla. That's uh, what it a, is. A, a, a substantial amount of vanilla. A substantial amount of a of a coffee bean we use um, i've got friends that uh, at vintage coffee um mm-hmm. uh, alan swan has been a friend of mine forever and vintage coffee is my favorite coffee house plug 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 and vintage coffee and we uh, roasted 24 pounds of beans <laughs> and we ground them all up and did a a cold a cold brew which actually is so much better than a hot brew because you have a, get a lot less bitterness out of it. I yeah. don't want to add bitterness to the, to the beer itself, but I want all that coffee flavor. So we took two days to do a, a cold brew with those beans. We ended up with about 45 gallons worth of coffee. And in a, in a we do 30 barrel batches at the brewery. Mm-hmm. So in 930 gallons of beer, there's 40 gallons of coffee and four and a half gallons of vanilla extract. Oh my gosh. Let's so, try this. Mm. Getting back to that whole total beer experience, you, you bring this up, you're going to smell the vanilla, yeah. you're going to smell the coffee, you're going to taste the vanilla in the back end, you're going to, ex- you know, when you inhale, exhale, you've got, there's a lot of stuff going it's on there. It's not that strict on the bitterness. It is not, it, in the, the, the I, was, I was expecting to hear, you could feel it, bitter things you can feel in the back of the tongue. Right. And I don't feel that as much. I was expecting a little bit more bitter to it. Porter, oh. porters, are, porters are in, by category, fairly mild. You know, mm-hmm. they started using a little bit of more of a roasty, um, malt in there, um, not roasty enough to make it roast. You know, the, the big difference between porters and stouts, you don't put typically roasted barley in a porter. Right. So your your stouts are reserved for that roastiness, and your uh, your porters are more um, caramely, dark, dark, dark caramely flavor without yeah. getting roasty. So now the vanilla really has a really beautiful taste. 
uh, right at the tip of the tongue, especially. That I'm surprised about. Have you had a lot of? I'm I'm guessing a lot of um, praise on this uh, to bean or not to bean. This is my wife's favorite beer. Okay, there you go. Then <laughs> that's all I need. No higher praise. <laughs> <laughs> then when your wife says that's the one. Oh yeah, yeah, we need to do that. Because this is wonderful. And I'm and uh, how long have you guys been? Has this been since the beginning? This uh, I have been participating in a lot of local um, beer events as well. Prior to our brewery, um, there's a mashed in is a homebrewer showcase that has and it's been this year's its eighth year it's been um put on by the folks at tapworks for all these years they give the homebrewers a platform to show you what they're doing and i participate in that um every year that from its inception as a homebrewer and in year four of the homebrewer showcase the mashed in this was the best of show oh yeah <laughs> in I year four why. Yeah, and so those kind of things, you 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 fine tune your recipes, and then when you find something that either appeals to you personally the most or the masses personally, you make more. That's fantastic. I love this. <laughs> this is now at Homeland as well, up in Edmond. Is it really? Yeah. There you go. And uh, Homeland, of course, uh, I, I, I I like going at Homeland a little bit more than I do like the Walmart's. Walmart's is one of those places where I. I hate to love to shop there. I have to because it's Walmart and it's got cheaper stuff. But I hate it. I don't feel good. I'd rather go to Homeland. Uh, do you guys have? Uh, do you guys do anything with Crest? Do you? Do- um, their Crest is moving very strongly towards uh, craft presence. So, good. um, they're very independent. Um, so they can that's make why. Their, like, yeah, yeah, they can make their own calls and put in what they want. And you know, sales is sales. So they're gonna. Um, they're gonna feel, try to yeah. They're gonna you know gonna gonna be able to have access to everything anything they want really. So, uh, oh, I did have a question and I lost it. Uh, I, oh man. Okay. So no one's ever come to Twisted Spike before they show up. What can they expect? They can expect, um, a very welcoming experience that will help them, um, navigate the giant board of 24 beers. That's out. could be overwhelming. Yes. Um, we've tried to simplify stuff into very different categories. We've got, we have a, um, lighter category, a maltier category, a darker category, and a hoppy category. We also, I mean, I do um, a lot of lactobacillus sours. Um, okay. I've had, I just put into um, half barrels, long-term Brettomyces pedicoccus, other slower uh, fermenting yeasts that have been in the barrel for 18 months. Wow. You know, typically you turn a beer, an ale specifically, in three weeks. Right. But these long-term sours. What does that do? Yeah, what is, does it make it more sour? Is that, well, the, you... the yeast have a capability of doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, some yeasts over the years have been specialized and isolated that were crisp, clean, fast. Um, but other yeast do a lot of other stuff. They do funky. They do sour. They produce um, lactic acid. They produce acetic acid, um, depending on the microorganism. Mm-hmm. So if you use those organisms to create your beer, you just need to sit around for a, a while till they're done. Yeah. Um, yeah. My creek, um, in particular, has been in the barrel for eighteen months. Eighteen months, and that's amazing. And again, science. Um, it's all about that geeky kind of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And for 18 months, that's a long time to wait for a beer. It is. Um, but I'm, then what you get is, is pretty phenomenal. I'm super excited about it. When is that coming out? Um, we have, we have a couple of them, um, for, uh, carbonating right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are going through a major brewery expansion inside, um, from the beginning. Ex- we, expansion? You guys were already huge. <laughs> well, um, we, our, our business model um, was set up that it was, you know, any, any business, any new business, any new enterprise, um, there's a lot of risk, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're going from zero. Yeah. So part of our business plan was to um, utilize and leverage all of our friends' equipment and be able to do our contract wart with the pre-fermented beer that my best friends at Coop Hale Works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we partnered with them to do... Um, half of our stuff to a my spec. And then in the, for the last two years, we have been uh, fermenting and packaging in our facility on 10th Street. Um, we have proven our model. We have survived two full years and are yes. now going into our third year. 
So our from our from the business side of things, we decided that we were would be well served to invest in our own system and wean ourselves off of our friends and be independent basically be independent yeah. and we have a 15 barrel brew house that we're going that's going to land oh, in awesome. a week from Tuesday and we're going to be 100% uh, able to do whatever we want in house are there uh, do you guys do like tours of your, of your brewery oh absolutely tell me about that um we don't have scheduled tours. Mm -hmm. um, I do them since me and my or my wife are usually there. Um, we have very impromptu. Come on back, take a look at this. Um, we do schedule. I mean, we you know through the, our social media, through our website, um, we have multiple avenues for somebody to contact us to say, "Hey, we're going to be in town. We have four or five of our um, out of state friends come coming. Um, could you guys do a tour?" Sure. Yeah. I mean, if somebody walks up to me in the brewery and I'm there. They, hey, you have, can we get a tour? Or one of the bartenders comes up to me and says, hey, we've got some people that would like a tour. And it's very, very casual, very um, interactive, very impromptu. You know, this is my house. I'll show you my house. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. because you're, you're, you're as excited to show it off as you would, again, your house, just showing people what you do. Right. That's wonderful. Okay, we got time for one more thing. We've run the, we've run the uh, gauntlet here. Darn it. <laughs> See, that figures. Okay, I, I do yeah, these are five, and we've got 24 beers on top, barrel-aged stuff, soured. I, we don't, it, well, what... The brewing system that we're putting in in the next um, week is going to allow us to do. We've had pretty much we have 13 beers in full distribution. These seven being um, part of that, we are going to be able to do all of our small batch stuff mm -hmm. that has been tap room only. We'll have the opportunity to do large batches of our vanilla, uh, our cherry vanilla tart, which is a lacto sour. We have a, a apricot gosa. I've got a hibiscus tangerine. Um, sour that we're going to be able to move from doing 80 gallon batches to 460 gallon batches and be able to have so much more flexibility and to be able to provide those larger batches we, we don't let growlers go out the door of some of the smaller stuff because there's very limited quantity yeah so we'll be able to to make much larger qualities much larger quantities we've been drinking obviously yeah, sorry. <laughs> much larger quantities of the beers that we haven't let out of the uh, out of the tap room and these are on tap uh, what do you, do you think that it's is beer better on tap than in the can it's different mm -hmm. um whenever you you know we'll go through uh half barrel which is 15 and a half gallons we'll go through a half barrel um typically of any beer in a week or two um that creates a demand in the tap room for very, a very fresh product. Um, when we do large batches, we do um, quite a bit of it. And if we put it in a can, um, it's going to have a, a shelf life. Yes. I don't own a filter. I don't own a, a centrifuge. I rely on time and cold for clarity. So getting the crew that crystal clear is a time and temperature thing right so once you once you move from a large packaging um, entity like a keg to a very tiny one like right. a can yes. and you put it on the shelf for a while you know that product be not having anything to stabilize it other than itself it has a shelf life yeah um, do you guys have expiration dates on your on your beers? I don't even know if I we date them. Uh huh. Um, so, like the date that it was produced. The date okay. that it was produced. So if you're looking for uh, you know IPA, you don't want really if you're going to get a local IPA and it's going to have a date on it, you better be checking that date. What is the, What is the typical date for a, for a well? Hops in general have a one month half life. Okay. Half life being if a IPA is a month old. It's half of what it was when it was fresh. Oh, that's no good. Second month, it's half of a half. Yeah. Hops deteriorate very quickly. So really checking the date you want to get. So you would, if you were out buying a beer out of a microbrew, um, you would check and go, okay, well that was that was back in December. I'm not getting this. Right. You're gonna, you know, if you're if you're going on the shelf at the at the grocery store and you're looking at a gallon of milk that was. Uh, two, well, or three, yeah. two or three days close to its expiration date, you're like, oh, I'm going to reach in the back of that shelf yeah. and see if I can get a fresher gallon of milk. You want to get a fresher local craft beer. Yeah, well, I can remember when the, uh, mass, one of the mass-produced beers, we tell you the born-on date. And I'm like, well, that's what all of them do. 
uh, because that's the that's the important part. That's what we want to know. When was this? When was the when was the beer put into this can? Right. Because I now I know how long should it? How long is you know the shelf life? How long do I have to drink this right. thing? So keeping something fresh requires it to be cold, mm-hmm. and requires it to be not exposed to oxygen. Oxygen is evil, right? Because oxygenation of anything um, leads to spoilage. Yeah. That's why it's all, it was always kept in kegs, and now it's kept in, well, it used to be wooden kegs. Now it's in metal kegs. They're right. always protected from right. the you atmosphere. Can, you can, and we don't, you know, most typically um, craft breweries don't invest a lot in pasteurization. Right. Um, pasteurization would kill everything in that beer. Um, so an unpasteurized your, your yeast, product. Your hops, your barley, that's, it's, yeah, it's always going to change it. Yeah, right, especially the yeast. So it's a, it's a living, breathing thing, mm-hmm. and it has... You know, characteristics of its own. Even even a Kolsch in a keg, after six months, eight months, actually takes on a honey characteristic from the malt and the yeast because there's still those living things in there. It, it's alive. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> thank thank goodness for the Egyptians learning these things. Um, how, how do you gauge for that when you're trying to make? Uh, it was like, okay, well, I need to make a certain amount of, of six packs or, or, or whatever. How do you gauge for that? Because that's, you don't want to make too many, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to make too few. How do you do that? Guess. <laughs> you know, we, we look at the, the numbers and our purchase rate um, through our distributor and through the tap room, and we can gauge. Um, when things will be not as good as they were. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make three years worth of IPA uh, or anything. Uh, you know, we, we're, we, we stay really on top of um, what's in demand, what's low. Uh, uh, all of these different beers have different life cycles. Uh, we are totally on top of all of our QA and we test um, products monthly. Yeah. You know, I've got several cases of, you know, hopefully we'll, we sell all the cases of beer in the tap room before we brew the next batch. Um, and we do different, um, quality control mechanisms to do that. We put different colored tops on stuff. Yes, exactly. So we make sure that we're rotating product when we need to rotate product. So we just, you know, got to stay super attention to all that kind of the de- details. It's, again, another p- bit of math and, and just figuring out what your, what your customers into. And I'm sure also seasonal. Right. You know, you know, you're, you know, you're, oh. this stuff, to bean or not to bean, this stuff is amazing. Oh, I can just, I can just smell this all day. Mm. So very good. Oh, I've never, I don't think I've ever had a beer like this before. Thank you. Just so unique. <laughs> Everyone go try to bean or not to bean. For one thing, I'm a big Shakespeare fan. So that, that also helps. It's fun. We have fun at the brewery. We, we, we got to close it up, but I want to know, how can people get in touch with you? Where, how, what's the best way? Social media, all that kind of stuff. Right. We have our main social media um, interfaces. Our uh, website has all the latest and greatest stuff going on. Uh, we have daily announcements on our Instagram uh, stuff. My wife handles all of our social media. Uh, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, our website, um, all of those have um, direct access to my wife and I. Is it, is it just is it t- at Twisted Spike? Is well, that, twistedspike.com that's is the website. All you have to remember is Twisted Spike, and yeah. it will get you to the Instagram, the yeah. Facebooks, the, you know. Yeah. And one of the greatest social media things known to beer is apps. Yes. So the untapped app. So you can, yes. you know, we, we generate um, beer menus. And you can go on that app and see what's on tap on a daily basis because everything is pretty much live. Mm-hmm. So between those couple, you know, easy access things, you know, go to the Facebook page, like it, you like the thing, you're going to get those kinds of announcements. Right. If we, you'll figure out, you'll know right away what, what's on one off Wednesday. So for this Wednesday, uh, since it's Valentine's week, oh yeah, we have the Dirty Blonde, mm-hmm. but we're going to put passion fruit in the Dirty oh. Blonde. So if you don't have enough passion in your life <laughs> and you want a passionate Dirty Blonde, we will have it for you next mm-hmm. Wednesday. Wednesday, perfect. <laughs> Valentine's Day Eve is perfect to come down and have passion fruit in your beer. 
which would be fantastic. And you, you're blonde, which is also wonderful. I mean, do you have a lot of couples that just come down for just, you know? Well, the biggest snicker we get at most of our craft beer fests is I still put out the placard for the Dirty Blonde Sanchez. So <laughs> of course you do. Sure, it's a dirty blonde, but it's a, it's, it's a snicker. It'll, yes. it, it, it starts the engagement. Yes, it does. It, and, um, well, it's a Dirty Sanchez. I got to try that. You got to try that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, you know, you, you, you get that and you get the story behind the, 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 well, that was the label. Now it's not the label. Right. You get a connection to our beer and our philosophy and what we're trying to bring to Oklahoma City. So that's it's, fantastic. It's fun. And go down to one Northwest 10th Street. Exactly. Right off the right off the, oh, does the does the train bother you guys much when you guys are uh, well <laughs> when we were building it was prior to the quiet zone oh yeah oh that's right you guys are down a quiet zone yeah it used to be thirty miles an hour ripping by with an with the air horn I tried to do an interview over there once <laughs> no. now it's ten miles an hour no horn it's just you get you, the, you feel it you feel it but you that s- that's got to add to it it does it really does. It's right next door, and you all of a sudden feeling this. Oh, what is this? You watch your beard vibrate, <laughs> which is fantastic. Oh man, Bruce, thank you so very much for coming in. That was wonderful. And everyone, go check out Twisted Spike. And then on the twenty third, what a great way to come in, uh, play some games, and raise some money for a good cause. And if you don't have a game involved, we have a giant table full, and we've got everything from checkers to giant Jenga. Yeah, and that's uh, the community, uh, Oklahoma City community, or Oklahoma City board game community is helping you guys out with that because we talked to them last week and they were very excited about this going on as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Sure is. That's fantastic. Bruce, thank you so very much. You bet. You bet. So that's going to do it for our show. You can find us on our brand new home with our podcast friends at mostlyharmless.media. Also on Twitter and Facebook at Okie Geek Podcast. That's also the address for our Gmail account. Would love to hear from you. You can also find us on iTunes. Please rate us and leave a comment. And you can find me at KOSU Michael C. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, along with Bruce Sanchez, I'm Michael Cross, reminding you to keep calm and geek on. Geek on.